Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Educating Investors Podcast. My name is Scott Peterson, Financial Advisor of Harmony Wealth Management. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode, the Federal Reserve's Economic Projections for March and what it means for markets. I believe that educated investors equal successful investors. The goal of this podcast is to help to educate as many individuals as possible on markets, the economy, and financial planning topics. In this episode, I'm going to discuss the Federal Reserve's recently updated economic projections on GDP, unemployment, PCE, and the Fed funds rate, and what it could mean for markets. I would highly recommend having a copy of the Federal Reserve projections in front of you to be able to follow along with the episode of this podcast. You can find the projections at www.federalreserve.gov backslash monetary policy by clicking on the links for projection materials. A great place to start is with the Federal Reserve decisions on interest rates. As expected, the Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee, the FOMC, voted unanimously to keep the federal funds targeted range in a range of 0 to 0.25% where it's been since March of 2020. Here's what the policy-setting Federal Open Market Committee said. The committee decided to keep the target range for the federal funds rate at zero and a quarter percent, and expects it will be appropriate to maintain this targeted range until labor market conditions have reached levels consistent with the committee's assessment of maximum employment and inflation has risen to two percent and is on track to moderately exceed two percent for some time. What does that mean? The Fed said that it expects that it will be appropriate to keep short-term interest rates near zero until three conditions are met. The job market has fully healed, inflation has returned to the target rate, and inflation is on track to moderately exceed the targeted rate for some time. It means the Fed will try to hit about a 4% unemployment rate and get inflation higher before raising rates. How do we know it's around a 4% unemployment rate? Because the Fed tells us that with its longer-run projections. That level for unemployment could be even lower than 4%, with the Fed projecting that the unemployment rate at the end of 2023 coming in at 3.5% and their Fed funds projections not changing. The Fed continued with the current pace of bond buying of at least $80 billion of treasuries and $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities each month. The Fed statement on asset purchases was the Federal Reserve will continue to increase its holding of treasury securities by at least $80 billion per month and of agency mortgage-backed securities by at least $40 billion per month until substantial further progress has been made toward the committee's maximum employment and price stability goals. These asset purchases help foster smooth market functioning and accommodative financial conditions, thereby supporting the flow of credit to households and businesses. What this states is that the Fed intends to hold the size of purchase at or above the current pace until the Fed achieves clearer further progress toward its economic objectives. Note though that further progress is not complete progress. The Fed will pull back on asset purchase programs before raising interest rates. The Fed chairman did not give any hints to what further progress looks like in terms of slowing asset purchases, but he did say that the Fed will give an advance notice of a change in their asset purchase program. The Fed updated its guidance on asset purchases to clearly link it to economic outcomes. It is hard to think that the Fed will pull back on the asset purchase program until the economy shows substantial further improvement. So now that we've looked at the current decision on rates and asset purchases, let's take a look at the Fed's projections for real GDP, unemployment, core PCE, and the Fed funds rate going forward. In terms of real GDP, the median projections for 2021 are 6.5%, for 2022, 3.3%, and 2023 at 2.2%. The long-run median projections they see at 1.8%. 
Longer run projections represent each participant's assessment of the rate to which each variable would be expected to converge under appropriate monetary policy and in the absence of further shocks to the economy. When comparing their March outlook versus the December outlook, the committee outlook showed much stronger GDP growth in 2021, moving from 4.2 to 6.5% and a 0.1 percentage point increase for 2022. However, they lowered their expectation for growth in 2023 as well as for the long run. That long run median estimate of 1.8% is not much different than what the economy was growing at before the pandemic. With the amount of debt to GDP and aging demographics, decreases in the amount of workers due to lower birth rates and slower immigration, and lower productivity recently, this would lead me to believe that growth would be slowing going forward. In order to see economic growth pick up, we would need to see an increase in workers and productivity, which equals the growth in GDP. As we look at the unemployment rate projections, we see their projections of 4.5% in 2021, 3.9% for 2022, and 3.5% for 2023. Their long-run median projections they see at 4%. Committee's projections saw nearly a half a percentage point improvement in unemployment for 2021 from 5% to 4.5%, and further declines in 2022 and 2023. The long-run median projection of 4% is pretty close to the Federal Reserve estimate of the natural rate of unemployment, which is around 4.27%. The natural rate of unemployment represents the lowest unemployment rate whereby inflation is stable or the unemployment rate that exists with non-accelerating inflation. Based on the new monetary policy framework that was recently released and the current Federal Reserve economic projections, I would not expect them to increase interest rates until the unemployment rate got to 4% or less. Even though the Fed sees unemployment dropping below its estimate of the long-run rate of 4% at the end of 2022 and the end of 2023, this improvement has no bearing on the decision to raise or not raise policy rates. The Fed no longer sees closing the estimated unemployment gap as by itself a reason to hike interest rates. The Fed needs to see actual inflation sustained moderately above 2% to justify a rate hike, and with no such sustainable inflation expected, no rate hike is forecasted. In terms of their preferred measure inflation core PCA, their median projections for 2021 is 2.2%, for 2022 it's 2%, and for 2023, 2.1%. Longer run projections for core PC inflation are not collected. The median projection for core PC has moved to or above 2% from 2021 through 2023. The uptick in 2021 is due to easier year-over-year -year comparisons and an expected uptick in demand for services as the economy reopens with vaccinations increasing. What could cause sustainable inflation to come back? The forces that could push inflation higher include continued dollar depreciation and money printing, if followed by an increase in the velocity of money, supply chain constraints, ongoing deglobalization, a tighter labor market, and the Fed committing to overshooting its inflation target. On the other hand, there are forces that are pushing inflation lower, which include a weak economy, weak labor markets, older demographics, technology including robots and automation, the rise of unproductive zombie companies, and more government debt holding back growth. Finally, we take a look at the Fed Funds projections. The median projection for the Fed Funds rate for 2021, 22, and 23 is with 0 to 0.25%. These projections did not change since their December estimates. In other words, they don't see the Fed funds rate moving from the current range of zero to quarter percent all the way through 2023. Their long-run median projection for the Fed funds rate is 2.5%. The interesting thing about their long-run rate projection of 2.5% is that it was at that level at which they stopped raising rates in December of 2018. 
This was during the stock market sell-off of 2018. It shows that the market had a hard time with the Fed just raising the Fed funds rate from zero to a range of two and a quarter to two and a half percent. This median projection of the longer run Fed funds rate is essentially an estimate of the neutral rate. The neutral rate is the Fed funds rate that neither stimulates nor restrains economic growth. So with projections at basically zero through 2023, this shows how easy monetary policy is currently and that it should be very stimulating for the economy. The forward guidance stated that policy would be accommodated until labor market conditions reach a level consistent with the committee's estimate of maximum employment and until inflation has reached 2% and was on track to moderately exceed 2% for some times. Most Fed officials still expect to maintain ultra-low interest rates through 2023. Just seven of the 18 policymakers at the Wednesday meeting anticipated lifting rates in 2022 or 2023, up from five in December. Chairman Powell said that any pickup in prices this year would likely be temporary. He added that transitory increase would meet the Fed's bar for raising rates. So what does these projections say about what the Fed is currently thinking? The FOMC's policy framework consists of an accommodating monetary policy and using asset purchases in the target range for the Fed funds rate at an average 2% inflation target with a stable 2% market inflation expectation and forward guidance. The forward guidance stated that policy would be accommodated until labor market conditions reach levels consistent with the committee's estimate of maximum employment and until inflation had reached 2% and was on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time. Consistently, the message from the Fed has been inflation will be allowed to run around 2.5% for some time before a rate hike. The definition of some time is around 12 months. The Fed is not looking to tighten policy until they see inflation actually run above their target of an average of 2%, not just forecasted progress. The Fed is not going to be precautionary. The Fed will be reactionary. Jeremy Powell said talking about inflation is one thing. Actually, having inflation rub about 2% is the real thing. We said that we would continue asset purchases at this pace until we see substantial further progress, and that's actual progress, not forecasted progress. And that's a difference from our past approach. The Fed intends to hold the size of asset purchases at or above the current pace until the Fed achieves clear further progress toward its economic objectives. The central bank said in its latest statement that it would keep rates steady near zero and reiterated it would keep buying $120 billion of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities until substantial further progress is made toward the central bank's goal of maximum employment. Note, though, that further progress is not complete progress. The Fed will pull back on the asset purchase program before raising interest rates. And when and under what conditions? The Fed projection is showing that their unemployment projection is 3.5% at the end of 2023, which is below their long-run projection of 4%. shows that the Fed believes that the unemployment rate can go well below 4% before needing to raise the Fed funds rate since the median projections for the Fed fund rate is that does not change all the way through the end of 2023. Fed fund rates do not look to be moving higher anytime soon. The Fed sharply revised upward its economic expectations but held their rates forecast effectively steady. This is a de facto easing of policy. The updated projections from the summary of economic projections show that the Fed has a more positive outlook and even with this more positive outlook, the Fed does not see this expected improvement as a reason to tighten policy. According to the Fed, they see the surge in growth as temporary and therefore the Fed does not see a need to react to it. Powell's giving conflicting guidance to bond investors. Dovage forward guidance is bullish for the short end, while the Fed's effort to lift inflation expectations have been bearish for the long end. The belly of the curve is caught in the middle. 
The Fed maintaining the status quo guidance further cements a lower for longer belief in terms of the Fed funds rate and a lack of tapering QE through at least 2021. The Fed has maintained its credibility by sticking to its gun. However, by them sticking to their guns, the long end continues to rise for now, which in turn tightens financial conditions. Inflation expectations should continue to rise. The Fed sees inflation as only temporary due to easier year-over-year comparisons and initial pent-up demand for services as the economy reopens with further vaccinations. There is no upside to the Fed revising its rate forecast now and lots of downside. It could fuel suspicions among bond investors that it doesn't intend to stick to its plan of keeping rates near zero until inflation is clearly headed above 2% and full employment has returned. Such suspicions could push market rates higher and make the boom less likely and the Fed's job harder. Currently, there is a game of chicken between the Fed and the bond market. The Fed states they are not going to raise the Fed funds rate until after 2023, while the bond market has been reacting to higher growth and inflation expectations and moving longer-term yields up. The question will be at what level does the Fed believe that interest rates have moved in too high and could impact the economic recovery? If higher rates start to impact the economic recovery, leading to slower employment and inflation improvement, the Fed will have to step in to halt the rise in yields. Fed measures could include operation twist or yield curve control. Other central banks, notably the Reserve Bank of Australia, have adjusted their bond buying to try to quash rises in intermediate yields. So what does the current monetary policy based on their economic projections mean for the markets? The Fed retains the capacity to prematurely kill the recovery, one of the biggest risks for long-term investors, businesses, and workers alike, by tightening policy too soon. The forward guidance provided by the Fed at their March meeting is a very strong, very powerful commitment not to do that even though they raise their expectations for both unemployment, economic growth, and inflation. According to the Fed, they see the surge in growth as temporary, and therefore the Fed does not see a need to react to it. In this current environment, if the forward guidance that they provided at their March meeting isn't enough, I would expect central banks, including the Fed, to use their balance sheets to hold down longer-duration bond yields, flattening the yield curve. Currently, the Fed has not felt that the uptick in longer-term yields will impact the economic recovery. Easy monetary policy and fiscal support should be a tailwind for stocks, even as long-term rates are rising. The S&P 500 has tended to perform better in rising rates environments when the starting point for rising rates are low, that's not in an extended period of high inflation, and rising rates are accompanied by strong yield curve steepening. All these dynamics are present currently. The continued uptick in long-term rates, however, would negatively impact longer-duration growth stocks and would help value stocks. The continued monetary support from the Federal Reserve and other central banks, along with fiscal support, should continue to support markets even as the economy reopens. This will provide support to small and mid-cap companies that would benefit from a safe reopening of the economy due to effective treatment and or vaccines for the coronavirus being delivered and administered to the population. The reopening of the economy could benefit international and emerging market equities, which have lower valuations, indexes that have more exposures to sectors such as industrials that would benefit from increasing economic growth and a lower dollar. With fixed income rates as low as they are and investors looking for income, dividend growth equities will be in demand. Not all dividend-paying companies are equal. Investors should look for those that have the ability to pay their current dividend as well as those with low payout ratios and high dividend coverage ratios that can potentially increase their dividends over time at a faster pace than inflation so that income keeps up with its purchasing power. Spreads on fixed income have continued to narrow and companies are continuing to become more levered by issuing a record level of corporate debt in 2020 as well as pushing out the maturity of their bonds. 
compensation for taking on more credit risk or interest rate risk has fallen. I believe with this backdrop and the possibility of more volatility that investors should look to have a majority of their fixed income in core bonds such as treasury, agency-backed mortgage securities, and investment-grade municipals. These areas of fixed income market are not as correlated to equities, which can provide needed diversifications to an investor's portfolio. Core bonds, which provide protection versus credit risk, will not provide as much protection versus interest rate risk as rates are rising, as we have seen recently due to the potential for an uptick in economic growth and inflation expectation. However, as prices are falling, yields are increasing, and over time, a majority of your return from fixed income comes from the income, not capital appreciation. According to double-line funds, agency mortgage-backed securities have tended to outperform other traditional fixed income sectors during rising rate environments. Since the inception of the aggregate bond index in 1986, 10-year treasury yields have risen by 100 basis points on more than 13 separate occasions. Agency mortgage-backed securities have provided positive returns in six of the 13 time periods. They outperform treasuries and the ag in all 13 time periods and outperform corporates in nine of the 13 time periods. With yields moving higher, shorter duration, and higher yielding aggressive fixed income can provide some protection against interest rate risk. Finally, an allocation to cash in the portfolio can add a layer of liquidity and diversification from the risk assets in the portfolio with valuations on markets, especially in the U.S., being overvalued and with many sentiment indicators showing investors to be currently very bullish. Extreme investor optimism can be a warning sign for the markets. Sentiment indicators such as the put-call ratio, the NDR crowd sentiment poll, and the AAII investor survey are showing extreme optimism in the market. According to Urian Timber, Director of Global Macro for Fidelity Investment, the period we are currently in looks most like that of 1941 through 1946. In order to mobilize against World War II, federal debt triple, the Fed balance sheet swelled by tenfold, and the Fed kept both short and long-dated interest rates below the rate of inflation. He goes on to state that the net result of the Fed freight suppression in the 1940s was that real rates fell well below zero and stayed that way for a number of years as inflation took root. In his view, the Fed today will accept higher inflation, as will the Treasury. He says, how else is the country going to get out from under its rising debt burden? The result was a surging in broad-based stock market, at least until inflation got really carried away later in the decade. There was also a steeper yield curve as measured by the gap between the 2- and 10-year yield. Investors would be well-served to have a well-diversified portfolio with exposure to cheap, economically sensitive cyclical stocks, small and mid-cap stocks, and international emerging market equities that could benefit from the temporary higher economic growth and inflation coming out of the recession caused by the pandemic. However, as the monetary and fiscal support eventually starts to slow, the economy should revert back to slower economic growth with lower inflation and lower for longer interest rates based on the high debt-to-GDP levels, as well as on aging demographics, which would benefit growth stocks. This completes this episode of the Educating Investors podcast. I know that time is an important asset for everybody, so I appreciate you taking a part of your day to listen. If you enjoyed the content of this podcast, feel free to share this with other friends and family that may be interested. Also, feel free to check out my website at www.harmonywealthmanagement.com to learn more about what I do as well as to find my contact information and links to my LinkedIn page and blog. The Educating Investors podcast is presented for informational purposes only. The information presented on the Educating Investors podcast should not be construed as investment advice. Always consult a licensed investment professional before making investment decisions. 
the Educating Investors podcast. His host, Scott Peterson, and his firm, Harmony Wealth Management, LLC, should not be held liable for any losses resulting from investment decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on the Educating Investors podcast show.